are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm great. Uh, we just talked about our mornings. Um, are you a morning guy? Um, I'm, I'm working really hard to try to become more of a morning guy. Yes. Yeah. I, I try really, really hard. Um, and I'm still trying to figure it out. What do you have any tips for me to like actually jump in? I have a kid. Do you have kids? No. <laughs> so my wife and I had our first kid. She's almost two years old now. Um, yeah. And that helped a lot because whether I like it or not, she's up at probably six 30 every day. So sure. She's so, so cute, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I do think I've, um, you know, I've read a lot of stuff about everybody's got morning rituals and how they start their day. And, and there's a lot of value in that. But um, maybe even more important is your evening ritual and how you end mm -hmm. your day. Yeah. Um, so I've tried to get better at, at things like that, not staring at my phone, you know, while I'm in bed at night, not drinking caffeine too late in the day. Right. Um, trying to get to bed well, I, I yeah. always feel like sets me up better, you know, in the mornings, but still a struggle. It's a, it's a daily battle. <laughs> yeah. My wife is super into the nighttime routine stuff. She's got like a hue light in our room that goes to red at a specific time for melatonin. And like, she's all about it. Nice. And I'm, I'm on my phone at like 1am. Just <laughs> We did, um, we did put up uh, blackout curtains in our bedroom. That was, a, that was a game changer. Yeah, this is our first. So we're in a two-bedroom apartment. It's our first apartment where we have windows in our bedroom. The oh, last wow. one, we would just wake up and it'd be like, oh, it's two in the afternoon. Just kidding. <laughs> that doesn't happen. But um, it's, it's a game changer. And I, I actually like a little sunlight, but it's still not a morning guy and I'm not a night guy. So <laughs> I guess afternoon guy. yeah, I'm literally like one to 5 PM is my like prime time. Um, yeah. So Greg, tell us a little bit about who you are, like maybe your story, um, what you currently do. Um, you have tattoos, so you have a cross. So obviously you're a Christian for anyone viewing this, um, Greg, yeah. Christian. So am I, um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, I live in North Carolina, Winston-Salem. Um, I am originally from upstate New York, so my family, we're all from Rochester, New York. Moved to Charlotte, North Carolina when I was a kid. Um, grew up going to church and didn't really have a good experience with it. Didn't really have much of a relationship with God uh, until when I was in high school, I went to Elevation Church uh, in Charlotte, which was only about two years old at the time. Mm -hmm. and just had this incredible experience and it really changed everything for me in terms of the way I viewed the church the way I viewed God and um it was just an absolute game changer and um I have I have so much to thank you know Pastor Stephen and Elevation Church and all that God has done through our church for what's happened in my life and in my family I was baptized at Elevation my dad was mm -hmm. baptized at Elevation uh yeah it's been a really cool story. Met my wife at Elevation. And then um, about seven years ago, I had the opportunity to come on staff. There's a whole, there's a whole um, uh, meandering journey of like rejection and wandering before I got there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I uh, came on staff about seven years ago and have uh, served in a few different roles. But what I do now is um, overseeing all of our campuses. So we have about 20 uh, locations throughout North and South Carolina, Florida, Virginia and one in Canada. Hmm. Uh, so I get the, 
the privilege of working with all our different campus pastors and and just trying to you know help everybody figure out how to how to grow and reach more people so it's yeah. uh it's fun there's a lot of different you know unique challenges that come with it but i uh i'm really grateful for it yeah well that's that's incredible what i love is like um and something honestly that i've seen consistently is um, the place that somebody's on staff at that, and again, not like just a church launch or like a startup, but something that's been around more than 10 years. Um, it's always cool to see people who were a part of the, the beginnings, you know, because I'm sure it didn't look like what it looks like now. Um, but it was so great at the time. Um, my wife and I were a part of two church plants in the past five years. And it's just fun to see the progression of like, where it started and then where it's going and i think honestly that's probably where you live it's like all right where is it where it's going um and that's just incredible i'm sure i have like fifty thousand questions but um like i think a lot of your life and a lot of your job has to do with just leadership in general um quickly give us a description of what you think that word means like leadership um i actually do think i have an answer to this there was a long time where i would say i don't know man there's so many definitions out there and and that is true and i don't know if there's ever anyone that's particularly correct but Mm -hmm. for me i would just simply sum it up by saying good leadership makes the people around you better Mm. Uh, i think jesus demonstrated that uh there's a book that i recommend to everybody called multipliers which is not a, it's not a Christian book. It's more of kind of a research organizational leadership book. But the whole premise is that there are, if you're a multiplier as a leader, that means that uh, you make the people around you better. You make them, you help them become smarter. You help them mm-hmm. unlock their own potential. It's more about how you lift the people that you lead than about um, dominating the people that you lead or yeah. using the people that you lead. Um, so that's how I would sum it up. No, I mean, I, I would, I would concur. I would agree. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, it is 809 here. What time is it over there? 909. Okay. So yeah, <clears throat> and we don't, we don't need to talk about it, Greg. Um, it is 809 here. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Um, so you're in a leadership role. Um, you just talked about how making other people better. Um, I would assume that through your journey on staff, um, that has probably been a big thing in your life is just no matter what role I'm in, I just want to make people around me better. And honestly, we were talking about that right before we hit record um, is getting people around you um, just energized and better and thinking differently. Um, what are a few things that I could learn today um, to get people around me better and to get people around me? Um, yeah, moving on the same pace or even better than I ever could. Yeah. Well, I would, I, I won't take uh, all the credit of the compliment that you just gave me. I have not operated this way or thought this way my whole time in leadership. I think in, in the earlier years as kind of a younger, more immature leader, um, I was full of ambition. I was full of, you know, vision and, and had lots of big dreams and things like that. And I, I don't think I ever, um, was a, a tyrant as a leader, but there were certainly moments where I would allow my own kind of pride or my own ego to take the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been a journey for me. And as God has, you know, shaped me and grown me, um, I think I'm 
hopefully taking steps to, to get closer to this ideal of what good leadership looks like, which ultimately is Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I haven't lived there the whole time. I feel like I'm, I'm very much still on the path. But I think before you get into any um, practices or tactics or systems or, you know, the practicals of leadership, um, what I've felt really challenged on the past few years is you really just have to start inside, which mm-hmm. sometimes feels cliche and sometimes we don't want to hear that. Um, but I used to read so many leadership books. I mean, I would, I would just eat those things up. I was always yeah. looking for the next thing. I was always looking for the next tip. I was always looking for the next strategy that I could apply that would, that would make me more effective in producing results and things like that. And I really had this, I guess you could call it like this idol in my life of wanting to be a more effective, a more skilled, a more knowledgeable leader. And I think there's plenty of value in learning leadership. I think we need that in the church. I think, I think it's extremely important. But what I realized was that stuff will only get you so far if you're not uh, bringing kind of your own heart along with it. Mm-hmm. And so about a year ago, I just randomly one day, I don't know if God nudged me or if I just felt it in my own self, but I just decided, I think I'm done reading leadership books, mm-hmm. not forever, but for a while. And, uh, and I would go from reading one a week and then I just stopped and I still read now, but I decided I just want to work on developing me for a while mm-hmm. and, and not the, the leadership knowledge side of me, but I want to develop my mind. I want to develop in, in wisdom and humility and understanding. And, and I want to read some things that will challenge different parts of my brain and things like that. So I think at the end of the day, while it is important to, to work on the skills of leadership, um, that stuff will never take you further than your own character and your own wisdom and your own, uh, humility and things like that. So I think the more we can focus on developing those kind of internal pieces of ourselves, the more we can be effective in the thing that we actually want to do, which is to lead well. Um, but practically speaking, I would just say as a leader, you're going to be faced with these these constant decision points where you're going to have to decide, um, do I lead from my own ego or do I lead from a place of, um, humility and service? And that sounds good. And it sounds easy. And we like to talk about servant leadership. Um, but what about when, um, something really good happens and you have to decide as a leader, am I going to be the person who takes credit for this because I know how much I put into it and deep down, I really want credit and I want to be celebrated and I want that validation or am I going to humble myself and choose to give away credit to other people? That's just one very small example, but you'll feel that all the time in leadership. Um, Am I going to, am I going to take the next big opportunity for myself or am I going to be the kind of leader that's looking to give opportunities to other people those are kind of like micro examples of of what i mean when i say leadership is about lifting the people around you so i i think beyond any particular set of habits or anything like that it's really more of a posture and a disposition towards everything that you're you're looking at and walking through as a leader no and i 
I think that's absolutely incredible. And I, something that I think the, the theme of this would be um, self-awareness, <laughs> number one. I think so many people lack self-awareness and we all do of some sort, right? Like um, I could sit down with a journal and process everything I did and I could still miss something. Yep. Um, but also just character. Like I want to be around a leader who um, doesn't have an ego. And what's funny is, but when we get into leadership, <laughs> we forget that in moments and we're the one with the ego and we're like, but when I was a young leader following this person in that role, that's what attracted me to them. But then when I get there, I forget that. Um, so you said, I mean, you've been on a journey of roles and staff positions um, in this season. What are you learning about um, yourself, but also um, just like the church? Like, What are you learning? What am I learning right now? Um, what's what's really funny is I, I'm not that old, so I'm I talk sometimes as if I'm like 75. And <laughs> like back back when I was a young lad, you know, I'm Dude, still young. But get that every day. As I as I get older, I have a kid now. I'm a dad. Um, you do find that so many of the the cliches that you would maybe roll your eyes to when you were younger that you didn't want to believe, or that's just what, you know, boring people mm -hmm. talk about. You'd find out that a lot of them really are true and really are yeah. valid. Um, like one of the things that I would always hear early in ministry was um, be careful because you could spend your whole life doing the work of ministry, but have, but have no real relationship with God. Mm. Uh, and I kind of rolled my eyes at that and I was like, yeah, right. I mean, I love the Lord. I'm going to read the Bible. And then you find that even the way that you read the Bible could be um, could be hijacked by our desire to produce something out of it for the service of leadership or for the purpose of the ministry, the job, the vocation that I'm doing. I'll approach the Bible looking for, you know, the next insight that I can share or the next thing that I can teach to people, uh, which, again, is not bad. But if that's all I do, then I'm, I'm letting my own well dry up right. and you can only run so long um, before that kind of catches up to you. So I think the thing I'm learning most personally is there's just so much value in having a really serious practice of spending time with God, mm -hmm. of trying to strip away as much um, pressure or expectation or agenda from your time with God as possible. Um, one of the things I'm learning is that growing up, we were always taught that, that the, to pray was, was this verbal or vocal thing mm -hmm. that we would do. Even if you didn't say it out loud, it was forming sentences and phrases and requests yeah, yeah. and thanks you know, to God, which that is, that is a part of prayer, but it's not the whole thing. Jesus went into the wilderness to pray for 40 days. Right. But, but was he actively speaking the Lord's prayer, uh, you know, all his waking moments for 40 days? No, he wasn't because it's not just that. It's also, okay. it's a posture, it's a presence, it's solitude. It's being, it's being alone intentionally with God. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that I've really worked hard to embrace this year. Um, and man, it's just been so transformative. And I couldn't even maybe fully explain to you in what ways it's been transformative it's not like I've had all this brilliant revelation or anything like that if anything I feel like I'm maybe producing less yeah um but I feel such a just such a 
um, strength from being present with God more often. In terms of um, what I'm learning with regards to the church, I think we're all still trying to kind of find our way through this, you know, emerging post-COVID society that we're a part of. I talk to churches all over the country and it feels like everyone has had the similar experience of there's so many people who we thought were so bought into this or so connected to this, or we thought that this was such a priority to them. And then when COVID gave them an inner, you know, an intermission, uh, they didn't come back in the same way or they didn't come back at all. Um, and I think that's been a really, um, sobering and in some ways disturbing thing for us to wrestle with in ministry is how is it that the thing we've invested so much into became so easy for so many people to put at the bottom of their priority list when life got hard. Hmm. So I don't know the answer to that question. um, But I think it will be a worthy pursuit for us to wrestle with that and try to try to find our own answers to it. What I do think is we've just got to we've got to put more and more emphasis into the development of people. You might call that discipleship, but I think sometimes that word gets very um, hijacked with all sorts of connotations that, mm-hmm. that may or may not, you know, be appropriate for it. Discipleship development, whatever you want to call it. The goal is, are we, are we moving people down a path yeah, by yeah. which they're growing into their potential, becoming the people that God created them to be? but also growing closer to Jesus, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think we've really got to take a hard look at how are we approaching that? How important is that to us? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've got all sorts of my own opinions on it, but I'm, you know, I'm not the authority. I think, I think that's the realm we got to head into. And there may be a lot of ways that we accomplish it. Yeah. Well, even speaking to the the first part about you and, um, you said not producing more, um, even the past, I don't know, 60 days, I've kind of been on the same journey of just trying to figure out, like, am I reading my Bible to produce content or for a sermon or for a leadership talk at our church or a Instagram post, whatever it is. Um, and it's funny enough, I was at a Chipotle sitting there and so overwhelmed because I hadn't read my Bible yet because I didn't have anything to post. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to live this way. Yeah. Like I'm 23 years old. I'm married a year. Um, when I'm 85, I don't want to be known as the the Instagram guy or the insert anything else besides follower of Jesus and husband and future dad, you know? Um, but the patterns that I was doing, wasn't the right thing to do, you know, because, um, we all know that our patterns and our daily disciplines kind of create our future um and even for the other thing though i I, for church um we're talking about post-covid um i i our church shut down in five weeks um literally like launched five weeks covid a year (laughs) um so i totally get that um what do you feel like um, cause I, I feel the same way for the development of people, for vision for people, um, to get united under a mission of some sort. How do we get people, um, where they are to where they need to be? Like you talked about discipleship development. Um, you, like you said, you oversee 20 campuses. How do you individually develop those people from where they need to go to where they need to be? 
Yeah. I think, I think we need a, a total, um, almost like psychological revolution <laughs> in the church. Yeah. And there, the odds are so stacked against us because we live in this, you know, Western modern culture where, mm -hmm. um, everything has become so individualistic. Everything has become so self-focused and self-centered and it, it we continue to see just the the elevation of the self as the primary thing that that guides our culture um and then along with that you have all these industries that are moving in more and more in the direction of convenience uh customizing uh customiz customization like everything's about you and your preference and what you want and let's get it to you as quickly as possible and so it's absolutely inevitable that people bring that expectation, that paradigm into their experience with church. So right off the bat, we're set up with a world where everybody who walks in the doors of a church is approaching it as a, as a commodity to serve them. Um, so that right there, I mean, that's the core of it is we, we've got to shake people out of that mindset. We've got, that's the path that they've got to go on is, is realizing that this isn't so much about you as you thought it was. Yeah. And even historically, like I, I mentioned, I've been trying to expand my you know, scope of what I read and some of the things I'm consuming. I've read a lot of history books over the past year. I think history is such a healthy thing for us to study because we get so tunnel visioned into our, our modern context in which we live. And we, we sometimes will forsake the wisdom of like generations of civilizations that we can learn from. And the reality is most, most cultures throughout history we're very, um, we're very collectively minded, corporately minded. Um, it was about the family. It was about the tribe or the town or the community. There was such a, there was such a importance of the kind of communal experience. So where we are today, where everything is about us as the individual is very weird historically. It's, yeah. There's not really much precedent for it elsewhere. And if you just look at the Bible, um, I talk about this a lot when we get into the subject of calling, because I think that's, uh, that's a symptom of the issue where our generation or younger people will get this very self-focused idea of calling um, that is so different from the way that God's people would have viewed it historically. You look at, um, you know, in the Old Testament, God gave Moses a calling. He showed up in the burning bush and told him what to do, lead my people. Um, but the whole nation was called to. They just didn't hear it in the same way. They all have this purpose and this promise and this direction from God. Um, but the promises of God are often given to his people as a whole, rather than to individuals, custom made, all this sort of stuff. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't see you and know you as an individual. It just means that his purpose is so much bigger than your individual dream. So... That's a bit of a tangent. I apologize, but <laughs> that, here's man. the thing. I think, I think in church, we have to, we can't be afraid to have a high standard. Hmm. Uh, we should not apologize for telling people this is the most important thing that you could be a part of. This matters more than your kid's youth uh, soccer program. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. this should not feel optional to you. This should not feel like it's subject to if you had a good week or not, that's going to decide whether or not you're a part of the church. Um, it matters. And my fear sometimes is that 
when we get desperate in church, in ministry, our reaction to that is to lower the bar yep. because we'll go, man, we need more people to, to come to church or we need more people to serve at church or something like that. And so then we'll convince ourselves if we make this easier, then we will open the door wider. Mm. And here's the problem with that. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It is true. You will get more people if you make it easier. But the problem is, what kind of people did you get? Mm -hmm. um, if, if the reason they showed up is because you made it easier for them, then you will never make it easy enough to keep them. Yeah. If that's their motivation, then they're always going to continue to seek, let's lower the bar even further. Let's make this even easier. And so I think we've got to totally flip it and say, let's find the people who, um, who are willing to rearrange and reorganize, reorganize their life to prioritize this, not something that we can shrink so small that it just fits conveniently into everybody's life. You can't build on that. No. Um, and at the same time, the conviction comes back to us as the church where we just got to, we, we just got to believe more for people than, Hey, just show up to church, listen to the podcast, maybe yeah. serve in the kids ministry and you'll be set. I, those are all great things, right? But the the process by which people are transformed into the image of Christ and have this experience with God is so much bigger and deeper and richer than what we are often offering. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got to graduate beyond those kind of basic level things. That's a great starting point for a lot of people, but we can't leave people there. So again, I don't know if I necessarily have all the answers to it, but I do feel strongly about some of the directions that we ought to be heading. No, it's absolutely incredible. And I hope anyone viewing this or listening to this have their notepad out the whole time. And if they didn't, they can just rewatch it um, and re-listen to it. So, um, but I, I totally, I totally agree. And I think something that um, we've done, we as in just observation of the church is what we do is we like you said you do make it convenient for somebody to get there um but i heard somebody a couple weeks ago is like the the reason they're gonna get there is the reason they'll stay um so if it's a, a birthday party type thing like it's our 25th birthday party they show up they're going for the experience and again i'm i'm all for it like i'm i'm an evangelism focused human being like my wife and I that's that's our thing um we have more friends who don't know Jesus than know Jesus um but the the fact of it is getting them plugged in um I think it's it's so much deeper than just like a simple call to action it just they sh just keep showing up um I think that it's it's so designed in the teams too you know like I want our guest experience team the team that we've led for a couple of years now to be so ingrained in I want that guy's phone number I don't I don't want Josh to have his phone number I want his phone number um or Josh I'm if, and it's me every Sunday I'm getting that guy's phone number I'm gonna get coffee with him I'm gonna take it, him and his wife out to dinner and not to manipulate and have an agenda but because I care so deeply about them and like you said them going from A to B um which is just simple um disciplines with Jesus and knowing Hey, there's a 23 year old guy who's been married for a year who doesn't know anything. Probably can make you laugh at dinner, and say <laughs> some dirty jokes or something. But um, like, I I think it's I think we overcomplicate everything. Um, like Acts two, we all the the Christians who go, 
I'm not going to sell everything I own. It's like, well, that's not even what that meant. They just lived together. They did life together. And it wasn't even a second guess of what their church leaders were doing because they were hearing from God um, and they were following, you know, and I think, um, like you said, I think a lot of it is commercialized right now. And um, that's why I, I can only take ownership of me um, and just searching my heart and my motives and my anything that I can do. Um, yeah. So I really appreciate your insight. And so give us a last um, word of wisdom. Somebody on here, they're 18. They're like, I don't know how I found this video or podcast. Um, I'm, I want to learn. I might even not even know Jesus, but I want to learn something today. Wow, that's pretty broad. <laughs> I like to keep them broad, you know, because I know we could sit here probably for 25 hours. Yeah. Um, I think I'll go back to that idea of calling. It's just been something that's been very front of mind for me lately. And yeah, I feel like God showed me a lot about it. Um, I, I would challenge every young person to go find your definition of calling mm. from the Bible, not from Instagram's, you know, uh, version of what um, self-actualization or following your dreams or right. hustle culture or whatever, uh, all that stuff. Um, go, go seek what scripture says about it. And when you do, I think you'll find some things that may be unsettling, um, some things that may be encouraging. Um, I think that a lot of times we will, we will bring forward our own desires or our own ambitions and we will forge God's signature on it and say that this is what God said, or this is what God told me. And, and in reality, it's just what we, what we want. Yeah. Um, and the problem, the problem that leads us there is when, when we believe that we'll all have that bur burning bush moment, like Moses did. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't have it, then you'll begin to get desperate. And even subconsciously, you'll start to find signs where there's not signs, or you'll start to kind of hear your voice or the voice of your own desires louder than the voice of God. Um, real calling almost always bring suffering mm -hmm. um you'll see that for every person that god called in the bible um real calling is not about you developing a platform or a following or or wealth or whatever although god may give you those things mm -hmm. uh it's just not about those things it's always about his plan and his purpose and i also think that real calling always results in us serving others i think that's the way that god has set up his kingdom Jesus said, I did not come to, to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the model by which God is trying to lead us as well. So I just, uh, it's, it's heavy on my mind because I feel like I talk to a lot of young people these days that are trying to figure out what to do with their life. They're, they're yeah. asking the question, what is my calling? What am I supposed to do? Um, and, and the kind of the thing I try to encourage them with is, listen, uh, God is not nervous about this, <laughs> right? You're trying to decide, do I go to this college or that college? Do I move to that city or this one? Do I work in the church or do I work in banking? Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to tell people, listen, God is not nervous. He's not pacing in heaven, biting his nails, worried that you're <laughs> right. going to screw up his plan. If you make the wrong decision, you yeah. will not yeah. surprise him. You will not disappoint him. His purpose is so much greater than our individual decisions. 
But most importantly, I just think God is more concerned with who we are becoming mm-hmm. and with what we're doing. Our position, our career path, our yeah. income level. God can work with any of it, no matter what, no matter what it is. He wants to know who are you becoming in the process? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you the kind of person that, that brings glory to God and brings heaven to earth wherever you go? That's, that's God's primary concern. And the more we can align our concern with that, I think the better off we're going to be. Yeah, so good. Well, uh, thank you for being on. It's been so encouraging for me. I got to. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. I'm going to have to rewatch this with a notebook and get all the insight. Uh, I did want to read your most recent Instagram post because it will convict probably um, every single person that watches this. Things that cannot grow in God's presence, pride, offense, bitterness, greed, resentment. So there's the nugget, guys. 